another episode of Mrs. King's Chronicles. Today we have a special guest, but first I would like to introduce my hosts. I'm Miranda, Taya Johnston, Lexi Fema, and of course Jen Peterson. And today our very special guest is none other than the irrepressible Jamie King, actor Greg Morton, and author. What can't you do, sir? Uh, I can't dunk a basketball. <laughs> I'm a little too short. <laughs> you can just I'm lower it. <laughs> just lower it. I, you know, well, yeah, they'd have to lower it to like nose height. <laughs> so today's episode is episode 19 of season two, Delirious on Arrival. Okay, this episode aired March 18th, 1985. It was filmed and shown 19 out of the 23 episodes. The director was Winwich Colby, who also directed season one episode Saved by the Bells, one of my favorites, as well as season three's Welcome to America, Mr. Brand, Lexi's favorite, whoop whoop, <laughs> Sour Grapes, Jay Edgar's Ghost, and The Wrong Way Home. He also directed episodes of many other TV shows such as Knight Rider, Hunter, Star Trek, 24, and In the Heat of the Night. The story was written by Nelson Costello and the teleblade by Robert Belak. This is the only episode written by Nelson. He also wrote for Spencer for Hire, Coach, and Jag. We have discussed Robert Bielek before as he wrote Double Agent and Ship of Spies as well as several season three episodes to come. He was also the producer of many TV shows including Hercules, In the Heat of the Night, The Net, and The Sentinel. The filming locations for this episode included the Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles and the El Royale Apartments in Hollywood which was used as the Galilee General Hospital. I don't know if any of you guys have been to that filming location. I have. It looks like... It's awesome. It looks, like, looks like a cool place. Greg, you won't believe this, but David Johnson talked our way into the El Royale, getting up into the actual apartments and got to go on the ledge, over, over on the ledge and everything. I don't know yeah, how that man does the it. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> I was like, the whole time I'm sitting there like this, and the manager's like, now what was the show called? <laughs> we were trying to explain it. It was pretty fun. It looks like a beautiful uh, apartment complex, actually. The guest stars for this episode, uh, so I'll start with Wolf Roth, who's played Hans Redzig. Wolf was born in 1944 in Germany, where he started acting and starring in several German TV shows, starting in the 1970s. He is still acting, most recently in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of the Grindelwald. Oh, Crimes of Grindelwald. You got it, Jen. I thought Love you might know that one, Lexi. <laughs> I, was, I saw her face light up. <laughs> I was like, woo! Um, so you know who he played? Tell me. Uh, Spielman. I didn't, I haven't seen it, so anyway, he played Spielman in that, and he also played in Holmes and Watson, which is a take on the Sherlock Holmes. Which uh, nobody has seen. Holmes and Watson? Yeah. Is that like still in pre-production or something? I don't know. I haven't seen it. No, it's. It, I it's think it was out in the really theater. That, that was the. Was that the Will Ferrell movie? Yeah. I, oh. Uh, yeah, I heard that was really bad. Oh, it's it's like in the single digits on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Oh. You got to be really bad to get it single digits on there. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Bummer. I didn't look that up. So, well, thanks for that piece of information. Well, that's too bad because that's Sherlock Holmes. It's got to be somewhat good. But apparently not. Um, interestingly, though, SNK was one of the only American shows or films that he worked on. Wolf. He's mostly a German TV actor. Dr. Fronin was played by David Pamer, which a lot of you guys probably know. 
David is known for acting roles in TV and film, and also as a director. He started acting in the 1970s and is still acting today with his latest film in pre-production called Butterfly in the Typewriter with Susan Sarandon. Other recent works include Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Fanboy, and The Connors. I've watched The Connors, but I, I don't know if I've seen him on that. I'll have to watch. Films include Mr. Saturday, Mr. Saturday Night, where he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, City Slickers, Searching for Bobby Fischer, The American President, and Ocean's 13. on Ocean's 13 is hilarious. Yeah, I think I do remember him in that movie. I'm trying to remember who he was. He plays the the hotel um, like critic. He goes in and he or a reviewer. Oh right. He's yeah. the one they, they give him the bed bugs and they like they. They pretty much they torture him. Eat at a restaurant. And, <laughs> yeah. I His do. Character is hilarious in that movie. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even put those two together. Yeah, he's he's pretty funny. He was cast in many TV series with longtime roles in The Pager Chase, Downtown, Cagney and Lacey, The Commish, and The Larry Sanders Show. I do remember him in. I remember him in Cagney and Lacey. I don't that remember him. I now. totally do. What did he play? I think he played like a morgue guy or something. I'm pretty sure. Uh, was he like the medical examiner? Yeah, I think like he worked in the morgue somehow. Oh, funny. Um, he also directed several TV series, including Switched at Birth, which actually inspired my kids to learn sign language. Love if you seen that, that show. show. Yeah. Oh, I've never they seen were, it. They were really into it. In fact, that's, that's why I took sign language. Yeah. That's when my old, my middle daughter, after a while, she watched that and she said, Mom, so I switched to birth. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's very different than my other kids. So that was pretty funny. But I love that show. Uh, Heart of Dixie, uh, Make It or Break It, Brothers and Sisters, and Privilege. So he's done a lot of TV. Lewis Welch, making some other appearance in this episode, is Augie Swan, one of our favorites. Probably his last performance concentrates on running LA Fitness and making millions of dollars. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, Who knew he'd be a rich guy <laughs> Yeah. in real life? Agent Corey, uh, one of the agents that pounced on the couple house-sitting Redzig's house, was played by Kevin Bash. He hoped for a career in baseball before he turned to acting in the 1980s. He had various TV roles until late until late 1990s when he started a documentary and educational film company, and he used this as an outlet to be a campaigner for environmental causes, which, of course, I love. So I was going to say you would you. love that, Miss Santos. <laughs> thank you, Kevin, for your work in the environmental um, side of things. And that's all I had for guest stars. In this episode, Amanda finds herself taking a bite out of the wrong sandwich. To save her life and prevent a weapons dealer from obtaining top-secret plans, Lee meets up with an old friend who's recently gotten into a new line of business. Okay, Greg, so last time we had you on, we asked you five questions that uh, we had a burning desire to know. So we have five more for you, if you're game. Absolutely. Okay. So what are you curious about right now? Because I know you're always into something new. Yeah. What am I curious about right now? Well, I mean, I'm studying psychology, so human behavior. But I mean, I've always been curious about human behavior, which is one of the reasons why I chose to study psychology. But um, my my track actually is organizational psychology, so it's more business related. But I, at the beginning of the year, so like January, February, I was in a social psychology class say that three times fast. <laughs> and uh, so kind of why people make 
some of the social decisions that they make or some of the behaviors of people. Um, I'm, I'm really, really interested in right now. Um, so I've actually bookmarked a, another class that's going to be outside of my track that's, that's more social psychology. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to that because there's, there's a lot of things that I, it, it, there was a lot of aha moments in that class. When you, you talk about why people make the decisions that they make or why they behave the, the way that they behave, and you go, ah, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, kind of uh, right now, my, my curiosity is peaked on human behavior uh, like tenfold. So, I'm very, really yeah, that is very interesting. I've had a few of those classes, they're, they're definitely eye opening. Does that include like personality types? And that type of thing too. Yeah, so uh, I'll be doing personality types um, a little bit later uh, this year, and in, in doing personality studies. But social psychology is uh, deals a lot with personality, and uh, and and then deals with like in groups versus out groups. So like you four would be an in group because you um, you're all females, so there's a there's a relatable. Um, component there. You're all into Scarecrow Mrs. King. There's a relatable component there. And so that'd be an in-group. And so people who don't maybe uh, relate to that, um, maybe males or someone who's not a fan of the show, you would consider them to be an out-group. And so there's some relationship behavior there. Um, and it is all affected by personalities and it's, it's all fascinating. Oh, that's cool. It is yeah. very cool. I always found that stuff interesting. Have you ever done the DISC training or DISC um, analysis at all? No, no? I've thrown a Frisbee one. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite the same. It just, it, yeah, it shows you the personalities. It's like Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs will be doing later. This yeah. Later this okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think people should actually take some of that stuff in high school because if you can kind of understand why you think the way you think and why you make some of the decisions, then you, you can use it to your advantage. Oh, for sure. You know, kind of later on, uh, what you're going to study, how you're going to communicate with people. And mm -hmm. I took it after college and I wish I had gotten it a lot earlier. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's kind of the thing is that, um, and I think I wrote about this a little bit in my book, is that, um, you know, I, I didn't know... Uh, when I was a kid, but I kind of wish that I'd gone to therapy when I was younger um, so that I could learn more about communication and, and learn about, you know, why, like, I feel the way that I feel in certain situations or some of the anxieties that, that I had felt. Um, and so, because back then it was, you know, you just, you're lost and you're confused and you don't know why you're, why you're feeling that way or, or, uh, you know, why people are behaving a certain way towards you. And yeah, I think it's, I almost think it, Jen, that it, that it should be required um, in junior high or high school or, mm -hmm. you know, absolutely. It would help uh, teenagers because, <laughs> help them understand a little bit more. And just know that it's not, it's not them or it's not only them that are, that's feeling that way. Yeah. Well, just they can be constructive with it. You know, sometimes you're not constructive <laughs> or you don't know why so yeah i agree <laughs> the other thing too is that um in like my mom's case my mom and i spoke about this not too long ago is that i had mentioned to her i said you know when i was in 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 junior high or, or high school i wish that i had started therapy and she said you know she was she was kind of uh, 
I'm kind of happy to hear about that because of you know some progress that that I'm making on um, kind of uh, uh, my past now. And she said, but the the thing is that I didn't know. She she said she didn't know, and she said you know we just didn't. And that was you know 80s and 90s. Yeah. You know we just we didn't we didn't talk about stuff like that back then. And she goes, if I had known, you know, maybe we would have, we would have. And so I think maybe requiring it for kids, um, maybe a class or two, it would, it would allow them to open up and communicate more with the parents as well. I think it would benefit families in general. We did, uh, for my oldest, when he was like 10, he was having anxiety issues. Like everything was just overwhelming spiders, dogs, just uh, an anxiety on, on things. And so we took him to uh, a psychologist and it, it did help. It helped. I mean, yeah. just uh, give, arming us with information of you don't try and rationalize it. You, you instead say, okay, well, what would happen if that did happen? You know, and then dealing with it from there, even though we knew that wouldn't happen, but what if it did, what would you do? Right. You know, and then yeah. arming them with that information and that way they feel like they have some way of dealing with it if it did happen yeah right yeah yeah mental health is a huge topic now and, and i mean it, it, thank it goodness for yeah. some time but now you're hearing uh now you're hearing commercials on the radio and, and i saw a commercial just yesterday i think there's a one of the jonas brothers is doing a cigna commercial oh yeah i i, mm-hmm. I know which one you're talking about yeah and he's talking about mental health and and so it's interesting that now um, more people are realizing that mental health should be more to the forefront of, um, of the conversation because there's a lot that's, that's going on with, you know, marginalized communities and, and marginalized individuals and, and just, you know, how we behave and, and, and how we treat one another and how that, that really impacts your emotional and, and mental state. And then that changes how you behave. So, you know, it's good to see that, the term mental health is becoming more widely accepted and, and people aren't going, Oh, you're talking about mental health and you must be crazy. Yeah. It's less you know, taboo. That's, that's not the case. Right. Well, and I've also seen just a huge discrepancy in what the parents really understand what the kids are going through in, in their generation at being a parent. <laughs> right. So I think that education would be helpful because it would help the kids, but also the parents, like, right. this, is what the, this is what the kids are actually going through right now, you know. It's a lot different than when we were, yeah, when we were kids. You know, people snapping pictures of each other, and, you know, it's, yeah, it would be a good thing, and actually my son's school has started doing more of that, more awareness, um, I think it's recognized, but those are good points. Yeah, yeah that's good. Well, very good answer. Okay, here's a little more silly question. Um, what's your go-to order from your favorite restaurant? Oh. Okay, let's first identify my favorite <laughs> restaurant. What's the one we uh, went to by your house? That Italian restaurant. Oh, that was probably Spaghetti Eddie's. And uh, Spaghetti... Is that where we went? I don't remember that name, but maybe. Oh, yeah, it was. That's okay. interesting. Yeah. It was good. Uh, Mama's Lasagna from Spaghetti Eddie's. Spaghetti Eddie's is not my favorite restaurant. Um, I love it, but mm-hmm. not my favorite. Uh, but I get the lasagna when I'm there. So let's just run down the restaurant. <laughs> uh, probably my sushi place. Um, maybe my favorite. Um, and what do I get there that I really love? See, I like, 
just sushi in general. Um, but I'm a big Indian food guy too. Oh wow, I've never had that. Oh my god. What? I haven't. Indian is delicious. But see, I'm afraid to because a friend of mine went and then had to go home from work because she ate too much of the butter chicken and had the the poops. <laughs> so I'm like afraid. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we have a lot of Indian people here, so you would think they know. That's like... That's like- we went to a, my, my brother lives in Dallas, Texas, so we went there uh, one year, I don't know, for his birthday or something, and Sandra and I were there, and it was for my brother's birthday, and we went out to eat, and there was sushi on the menu, and I told Sandra, the last thing I'm going to do is order sushi at Landlocked Dallas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. There's not a large Indian There are a lot of Indian people here. No, oh, there are, it's huge. It's restaurants. Huh? You have to explore then. Half yeah. of our company, half of the company that Lexi and I work for are from India. Okay. Yeah. But do they cook? That's the thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> they got to eat. Not. <laughs> I mean, if you're eating Indian food from a restaurant from a guy that looks like me, <laughs> you might be in trouble. No, it was an okay. authentic one, but she, I guess she overindulged in one of the ingredients did not sit well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, don't use her as the only. Uh, I know that's. Why I'm just afraid manner. of that. That's why I haven't had it. That makes me a little nervous. We can try that one that's close to work, Taya. We'll go okay, we'll, we'll we'll try. We'll grab it. Okay. Why don't you guys just all come out here and I'll. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back to. I want to go back to the donut place, Greg. I want to go back to the donut place. The donut man? Uh, yes, the donut man. Sandra made me um, uh, follow him on Instagram, so now all I do is see these wonderful pictures of all these yummy donuts, and all I want to do is eat them, but I can't because it's so far away. Yeah. We have voodoo donuts up here. I think actually they just moved down there as well. You have a voodoo down there now, Greg? Uh, no. Uh, I've not heard no, of that voodoo one. Voodoo donuts. You have to come to Portland and have voodoo donuts, man. I mean... Road trip. We're gonna go from we're gonna go from Michigan. We'll pick up Miranda in Kentucky. <laughs> then we'll head out. <laughs> oh wow! Jen, I don't eat donuts. That's one of the reasons why. Uh, you just take pictures of them. Uh, I really don't. Uh, my wife loves the. It's so good. I, oh, Tiger Tails. Yeah. That's what I had there. Yeah. Oh, it was well, good. Voodoo does things like they have a donut in the shape of a little guy with jelly filling, and then they kind of stab it with a steak. Oh, I've seen that. I have seen yeah. that. I mean, they make cool donuts, and they're really yeah. good. Well, wow. these were just tasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's the Voodoo name. Yeah. That's good. It's Portland. We do crazy things over here. Yes. Yes, you do. Okay. Got another question for you. I love this one. You're a new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be and why? Uh, I would say... Give it a good name, man. Don't they have... I'm going to say Sunset Orange. Ooh. I think that's already there. Yeah. Jen! Don't they have like every color imaginable already? Well, you got to make up your own. Really cool colors and... Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I don't. It's probably the same uh, across the country, but for us here in Southern California, the 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 best month of the year is hands down October. Mm-hmm. And October we have like warm days. We've got cool evenings. 
We've got really, really cool clouds. It's the best surf time of the year. Um, but the sunsets are, I mean, seriously, absolutely amazing in October, more so than any other time of the year. Hmm. And my buddy and I will actually go up to an appropriately named peak called Sunset Peak, and we'll stand on the top, uh, and we'll get there at like, you know, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and then we'll watch the sunset. And just the... The, the colors that you'll get in a sunset are probably the most amazing hmm. Sounds so in, pretty. in all the spectrum of color. And so I'm going to say sunset orange. So you say know, October, October sunset orange. October sunset go. orange. I like it. I like it. Southern California, October <laughs> sunset orange. It would be a big crayon. It's going to be a big crayon. <laughs> Lexi would be rainbow. I would be rainbow. You would totally be rainbow. Yep. All different colors. Like you'd write it and it would color, all different colors would come out. That's like when you just grabbed a bunch of... Yes. Yeah. And you put them all together. You just just grabbed a bunch of pens and you just kind of did this. It's the best. On the wall. That's her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely Lexi. You will never see Lexi in beige. That's true. It's not my color. It just isn't. It isn't. Okay. Your question up. Yeah. Um, if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? I was a superhero one time. <laughs> All boys boy. were in their heads, at least. I was really cute. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get Miranda and I started, Greg. You'll just start another rift. <laughs> He's willing to do, he's willing to battle that. like he was invincible right i mean like he you could yeah. hurt him yeah, and then he'd like re- in the, generate in the comic book he's actually short mm-hmm. oh he's only five feet tall in the, i think he's five feet tall in the comic books he's known this well you're too tall for him. you're too tall for him yeah you know you need a, a little guy <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent, Pause. superhero Greg. Thank you. Yeah, excellent answer, too. right, ladies? Yeah. Okay. Last question, number five. Yes. Thirty-five years from now, what do you think people will be nostalgic for? Uh, gasoline automobiles. Oh. Interesting. Very interesting. Not where I thought you would go. Where'd you think I was going to go? Huh? Just... Donuts? No. (laughs) No, those are always going to be there. Answers that don't suck? (laughs) Oh. No. That's that's an interesting answer, though. I think we're headed in that direction already a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because what I 
think it'll, it'll happen. I thought about this, actually. I put some thought into this answer, Miranda, <laughs> uh, just so that you know. I my answer to Don't complain was, about it. Um, I've actually put some thought into the superhero question, too, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I got cut down for that one. Um, yeah, I, I think because we are moving more toward electric vehicles, but we still have, you know, a whole, you know, countries full of combustible engines. And I think there's actually a lot of companies right now that are taking old classic cars and they're making them electric vehicles mm-hmm. or they're converting them. But we have a lot of electric vehicles at, at work and, uh, you know, you, it's not the same. You don't, you don't get the same rumble. You don't get this. It's not the same experience. Yeah. And so realistically, I think, I think and it probably won't be 35 years, but, um, you know, I, I think in a number of years, people are going to look back and they go, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, the pop and the and the growl of, of my, you know, 67 Chevy or, yeah. you know, whatever it was. And Even I, just I, the I hybrids are different. Yeah. Do you, don't you have a hybrid, Miranda? No, I did look into the Okay, that's what it was. One, okay. But my brother has a hybrid and driving his car is completely different than driving a normal car. Like, I shouldn't say normal car. Than driving a traditional car. Yeah, I don't have. Does anybody have one on here? I don't. Yeah. I no, don't I want one, but my cars are all too old. Yeah. <laughs> I drive old. I don't like spending money on cars. So. Yeah, me either. So, uh, but yes, I want to go there. But you know what else you miss with you know, being nostalgic about is the good sunsets actually come usually from bad air quality. Right. And cars. Right. So, uh, you uh, reduce the emissions into the air, and well, you might not get as good a sunset. Say but... goodbye to your sunsets, Greg. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you breathe easier. Breathe or call a good sunset. Heavy combustion sunset. Healthy environment. <laughs> right. Sunset orange. Yeah, but I agree. I think it'll take longer than forty-five years. Is that what you guys gave them for? 30, Thirty-five. Years? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yeah, the companies really hang on to that stuff, but I, th- I think the public is kind of making the consumer choice a little bit and hopefully it'll keep going in that direction well they just got to bring down the cost you know well but that's the thing is it's a business model that's that the that's, have you watched it? who killed the electric car when electric technology the cars would develop back in like the 70s and 80s and the gasoline uh the car companies killed it right because they wanted to maintain the combustion engine yeah the oil companies lexi and yeah. i can tell you being in the automotive industry that they are definitely putting the engineers behind it mm-hmm. um, and batteries and, you know, um, they're, you know, they have the engineers working on it, but it is um, all about cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you that I haven't seen an electric vehicle yet that that I look at and I go, yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, mm-hmm. a lot of people I know are enamored with Teslas and I'm not impressed. I'm not either. I don't think they're that good looking. Um, but they're getting better. Point. They're getting better. They yeah, were... you know, it's funny you should say that too, because the very first Tesla that came out, the little Roadster, I thought was awesome. And then they don't make that anymore. Now mm-hmm. they make these big Hulkin. Mm-hmm. Those sedans. Yeah, yeah, the big I, sedans. I'm not, I'm not a fan of that, but you yeah. know, that's just. They're banned. You can't sell them at a traditional auto, uh, auto dealership uh, here in Michigan because of the auto industry. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, thank you for answering our, our probing questions. 
They were all great answers, no matter what Miranda and Jen said. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. That's really sweet. Okay. And that, with that, we'll segue into the episode. Okay, so we are working with uh, DOA, Delirious on Arrival. Do you remember filming this at all, Greg? Uh, it's okay I, if you I, don't. Vaguely. Um, no, I, I do, because, you know, I, here you go. I knew you were going to pull it out. Check that out, ladies. That. Isn't that the cutest? It's the only uh, souvenir that I've kept. From, uh, <laughs> so cute. The classic. Uh, nice. I gotta make sure my fingernails are clean here. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm working in the yard. Like all you're seeing is dirty fingernails. No, I'm not. So cool. Uh, yeah, it's the only souvenir that's that so I've kept cute. from um, filming. See, I told you. See, that's my superhero. That's He's my superpower. Just right? so cute. How cute I was. You're totally cute. You've Four. improved with Four age, sir. I talk to any woman. <laughs> You're talking with four right now. That's awful. Very cute. I did get, I got to wear that as I, I got to clip it on my shirt for a few minutes. <laughs> that was so cute. Very sweet. But uh, do you remember that, the dream sequence? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do. That, I would think that would stand out. Because we dressed up in suits. Yeah. You know, we weren't wearing jeans or sweats or yeah. uh, robes, which we wore a lot. Oh, that's true. We were adorable in the suits. Paul had his hair all slicked back, too, I remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you did the little thing with the orange. We'll, we'll talk uh, about that. The little bump, that was really cute. Yes, that was that was me. Uh, I was bringing something to the table. <laughs> that, was, that was my decision. I totally brought that. No one asked me to do that. Awesome. I it's, did it because I'm talented. It's cute though because <laughs> you you take it and you like breathe on it like you're polishing it, even though it's an orange that you're gonna peel. <laughs> yes. Instead of an apple, what, so. What you're looking at is a four foot eighty year old man. <laughs> It was cute. Yeah. It's a very cute scene. I was cute back then. You're, you're still cute. <laughs> Chill out. Quit trying to get compliments. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not trying to get compliments. I mean, seriously. I was cute back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Yes, that. we all agree. Right. <laughs> yeah, except... This is just heartburn. <laughs> Except we've seen your junior high and high school picture, sir. <laughs> the heartbreaking yeah. ended <laughs> right yeah. around that age. And then started back up again when you got a little older. Did all of them go through that, like, awkward stage? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my head? son's about headed in that direction, and I'm like, no! <laughs> I have to he's beg mine braces, to shave every day. He's got braces on, and he's getting into that gawky, oh, no. You had braces, yes. didn't you, Greg? Yes. Everybody had, got to had, see them. I had braces, glasses, and my head was like a bowling ball on top of a toothpick. <laughs> All the same power. A toothpick. Yeah, gone was the superpower. Oh, I think it's always there. 
Okay, so we're going to get into this episode. So it opens with Washington, D.C., and we see uh, the Corvette pull up into a dark parking lot. So it seems that Lee Stetson has been called to a meet out in a abandoned warehouse. Jen, you love the oh, the warehouse moments. Yeah. This is a brief I'm one. Warehouse fan. Yes. Yeah. And I love how they have to like really like show he's putting the alarm on his vehicle. Like they have to like get right on there and like watch him click it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was probably a big deal back then. Yeah, the, to have a clicker, you know. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you didn't have they didn't even have alarms really. It just show up his coolness. No. <laughs> they had alarms, but they cost a lot of money. Well, there you go. I didn't even know they had them. Yeah, her her dad installed them. Oh, well, there you go. And they were so annoying too. They, they were. Oh, not worth it. They'd go off all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. so Lee goes into this warehouse, and as he's going in, a, a a gentleman who supposedly is supposed to be in his forties, uh, is supposed to be forty-ish, and according to the script. Lexi and I had a little bit of a disagreement. I felt the guy looked more like he was in his mid-50s, but mainly because I didn't want to think that that's what I look like currently. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think he looked older than his, in his 40s. Really? Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Miranda. Thanks a lot. Sorry. Appreciate what it. What they look like? What do you look like? <laughs> <laughs> different levels of aging at 40. Well, you're only 42, right, Jen? Wink, wink. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. Hey, if I query most people, they do not guess my age at all. They're like, they guess like 40, 43. Well, you know, people always, when they get their age, when they're guessing your age, they guess in their head and then they lower it by five. When people tell me I look 40, I'm like, so you really think I'd like 45 then is what you're saying. I mean, that's just. Okay, then I'll take 45 because I'm not that either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are you guys going to do with the rest of I always get this way when my birthday's coming up because I get like, uh, like anxiety of getting one more year older. Uh, 50 will be the one. Oh, me. God. Yeah. How's 46th treating you right now, Greg? This competition's kind of taking a turn. I know it always does. Right? Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we don't have at least three tangents, we're, we've, we've failed as podcasters. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay, so as Lee Stetson's going into the warehouse looking for his um, informant, uh, a gentleman in his 40s, is coming out um, and he's trying to disable Lee's recently armed alarm. And he gets into the vehicle and is starting to mess around with it. You think he may be like planting a bomb or something, but no, he's just setting up a cassette tape in there. Lexi, those are cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> My first vehicle had a cassette tape player. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you actually play tapes in it? Oh, she yeah, like yeah. It, she, it just had one. I saw somebody put their iPhone in it. Listen, my grandma had a bunch of those, and for fun, you know, you stick your pencil in it and you like flip it around and make that cool noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's not for fun. That's to rewind it. She was kind of mad when she realized what my cousin and I were doing, but we liked the sound. So that's what we did with the cassette tapes. Do you know, I actually saw a millennial go, hey, look, my old car that I've gotten has um, a, a place to put my iPhone. And they had their iPhone stuck in the cassette. <laughs> I swear. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, so who we learn later, we learn it's Red Sick. But in the, in the script, actually, um, we have a revised first draft, and it's dated February 1st, 1985. And in the script, he's supposedly called Luger, Hans Luger, which sounds like, like a loogie or something to me. So it just sounds awful. Maybe that's why they changed it. I don't know. But um, so he's Hans Luger in the script, but then here he's Hans Redzik. Um, and he leaves the vehicle after he set up the cassette tape and then hits a button on his little contraption that, that hits the alarm. It makes the alarm go off. So then Lee comes running up and it's actually Bruce. You can see it's Bruce. He actually jumps over that chain. I was when Lexi and I were watching this, I'm like, what would have happened if he like tripped on that chain and like went flying? Like what a horrible experience right in the pavement. Crew would have laughed quietly. <laughs> He's tall and, then, and like he can yeah. handle it. He can handle it. Yeah, that's true. It's giraffe <laughs> So he he comes up and I, I'm glad they actually did this. He, he instead of just getting in the car, he's an actual spy. So he looks under the vehicle and he's looking to see if somebody actually uh, hit a bomb or something. Hi, Sandra. <laughs> Hi, miss. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I heard you were having fun with your friends. I was. Good. I'm tired. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, dealing with that guy, I can imagine you get tired a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a compliment. <laughs> we're all familiar with He's done with us. He's done with us. Are you? Are you? Are your feelings not hurt anymore? My feelings never get hurt when she's the center of attention. <laughs> He's so sweet. Okay, so getting back to the to the to the film version. Uh, so Lee comes running up to his vehicle, gets in after checking out to make sure there's no bombs or anything like that. Then he gets in and. Lexi pointed out he like taps the hood <laughs> like like yeah. he's just gonna tap it lightly to see if it like blows up or something. Like you're okay, he's baby. Like it's all right, all right, you're, you're fine. <laughs> Daddy's here now. <laughs> that's it's funny. Funny. That's what I do. I give my car a once over every time I get in it. Like if, if I'm walking up to it, I check my tires. I check. I don't know. It's just a habit. Well, yeah, I, and actually, I find I usually find nails in other people's tires because I'm I'm, I'm just trained to look. Okay, it's tires okay. Can Jen a lot of German terrorists? <laughs> <laughs> no, more like American crazies and nails. Well, yeah, it, it has saved me a lot to check your check your tires before you take off. It saves a lot of. Jen's PSA for today. Jen and I blew Lexi's mind last week when we were recording. Yeah. She was still messed up last uh, uh, on Friday about it. We were talking about it. 
So we remember, Jen, we were talking about how when you get in your vehicle, you you always have to check like the back seats and everything. And she was like, yeah. And then we're like, and then underneath too. And she's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? We're like, well, because some people, there's some crazies out there that were like slicing people's Achilles tendons and then throwing them in the back of the vehicle, taking their vehicle and then like kidnapping them. And she's like, mine was just blown. It's a security breach. I just feel like a fraud. You gotta buy a car that says lower to the ground like mine. I want you to get under my car. Yeah. Well, sh- yeah, but we both have SUVs, so they can get under there. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Lexi's like, all this time I didn't realize. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's an urban myth. I don't know, man. I, I read it on the internet. Oh, I have a friend who knew this guy whose cousin's sister, neighbor. And it totally I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look it up, and I'm gonna. See, here's the thing: it happens one time, and everyone's freaked out forever. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. But it could I be. I mean, some of those yeah. are crazy, but it's plausible. I mean, somebody could just be under there, and then if they did cut your Achilles, where are you going? You're not going anywhere. You're stumped, yeah. aren't you? You realize that when you walk toward the car, they'd have to like reach around to get the Achilles. Your Achilles is in the back. Yeah. It's an urban myth, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Snopes says it's not true. Oh, good. All right, well, there you go. How rude. Miranda, you're okay now. I mean, Lexi, you're okay then. Yeah. But you should check the back seat. At night. That's where all the monsters are. That's why I want to have an adamantium skull and claws. Sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, when we 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 have to keep going back in here to this. (laughs) Yeah, he does pat it. That's so funny. Um, so he gets in and then he turns the engine. He turns it. I don't know if there's a exact word for that, but he turns it so that just the the battery and the electrical comes on, but not the engine. And then the cassette just starts playing. And it's Hans Redzig. He says, good evening, Mr. Stetson. It's been a long time since our last encounter. I hope you and your agency don't hold grudges because I'm looking forward to doing business with you again soon. I'll be giving you the details later. Which And, and he says, I'll be in touch. Which is kind of weird. Like, go to all that trouble just to kind of mess with the guy's head, you know? I think it's to show that he could. Yeah. Like just like just get inside of his is. head. He can get into Lee Stetson's car, and he could have he could have put a bomb there. He could have taken him out right then and there, but he chose not to because he wants to do business. Yeah. It's actually one of the least weird things about the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> the chicken sandwich. Yeah, it it gets. The episode is a little weird. You hush! It's a good episode. I'm not saying it's not good. No, it is. It's a lot of them are far fetched. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we have to get down to the real good, strong business here. But um, what uh, what does everybody think about Francine's outfit? Love it. I do too. Total fan. I don't like the earrings. I don't like the earrings, but I like the outfit. 
I believe they're I believe they're like tweed pants too, which I always like. Mm-hmm. In theory, I like them. I don't like to wear them because they itch, but mm-hmm. but they're nice. Yeah, she looks good. <laughs> How to silence Greg? Talk about fashion. Yeah, well, I didn't even notice Francine's. Outfit. Well, it's cute. It's like a it's like a tunic, um, salad, like a maroon. Cal- oh, that, Cal- yeah. oh, that brings it all right back. Thank you. <laughs> she got it at Gemco, okay? Her hair and makeup all look good. Her her outfit's nice. It's solid. It's not funky. I don't like the right. earrings, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a good outfit. I like this interaction between the two of them. The such sarcasm, like, it flows yeah. between them, especially on her part. Mm-hmm. She's like trying to guess what's on the cassette and she's like, oh, maybe it's from last night's soiree, you know, and then he's like, you know, she's like, with what's her name? Randy. He's like, oh, Francine. He doesn't even have a good comeback. She's like, oh, must be serious. He goes, try Hans Redzik. She goes, oh, this is serious. And then I love how Billy is like, good morning, people. And she's like, not anymore. It isn't. We gotta talk, buddy. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, they, just, they constantly just barge into his office. They do. At some point, he'd be like, "I'm getting a lock for my door." <laughs> I think he he uh, appreciates their forwardness. <laughs> he seemed to be having a good morning up until that point. Yeah. Now this next scene actually wasn't the next scene in the episode in the script, so. Amanda's actually at the agency and she's struggling once again with the uh, password with Mrs. Marston. And so she's sitting there saying countertop and then Mavis shakes her head. And she says kitchen counter and another shake countdown. And she, and Mavis says, you're getting warm. And, and then Amanda says count Dracula and Mavis frowns in disgust. She's like cold, very cold. And then disappointed, Amanda decides to try another attack. She says, Mrs. Marston, you know I'm not a spy. I've been coming here for almost two years now. And and Mavis says, shall I just make an exception for you? Or shall I let everyone in without a password? <laughs> and Amanda smiles weakly, giving in. She says, counterpoint. And Mavis says, lukewarm. And then, <laughs> and then Francine, Lee, and Billy all look unhappy. They're trying to figure out where Amanda is, if, you know, why is she why is she late she's never late kind of thing and they're like oh you know she's probably forgot the password again so then he calls down there to the lobby and then Mavis says Mr. Melrose says you're cleared to go in now she's like thank you and then Amanda starts toward the elevator then stops and turns back to Mrs. Mavis she says um Mrs. Marston and Mavis manages her most condescending look before revealing the password against her better judgment and she says touchdown <laughs> I don't know how any of the countertop is anything close. Yeah. Well, with that scene, it makes a little more sense. Yes. Later. Right. So it would have been nice to kind of have that in there. Yeah, the so scene with enough. Greg. Yeah. But she didn't she what wasn't there a scene almost identical to yes. that? Look yeah. at you, you're, you're you look at you, uh, you know. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you. Yes, uh, there is. 
There is one like that. that. Before this episode? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, see? So, I mean, there's a history of her forgetting the passwords. For sure. It was cute, though. And it does help with the... (laughs) It does help with later later scenes, for sure. It's a little repetitive. Yeah. And that's probably why they took it out. Instead, what we have filmed is they're at the house, and the kids are um, getting ready for school and eating breakfast and such. And Amanda's rushing around trying to get them all ready to go. She doesn't even have time to, to feed them, uh, to get them uh, lunches, their lunches made. She's just giving them money. Did you spend that money on lunch or did you? Did you... I still have it. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> College fund. <laughs> you'll, you'll see, you'll, you'll see uh, a young Greg Martin uh, showing his thespian skills by turning his head away from the camera multiple times during a scene because the best part of my face is Oh, stop. Do you cringe watching yourself or something? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm looking at it. I was looking at it yesterday and I was thinking, why do you keep turning your head? Why? Like, why do you keep turning away from the camera? You're not supposed to do that. Like, what are you doing? You didn't know at that age? I'm trying to think exactly what I was thinking. And and obviously the director didn't think it was that important enough to go cut. Hey, kid. Um, Look over here, buddy. <laughs> aiming toward the camera, it, it usually helps. But I keep turning my head and I'm thinking, why am I doing that? And all I can think of is that I'm trying to hear what Paul's lines are so I know where I am in the scene. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> well, I have a question. If you guys are rushing to get to school, why is it 10 o'clock in the morning? Like, aren't you like really late for school then <laughs> at that point? Because Amanda says it's 10.02. Oh, okay. Because it says in the subtitles, it says 10.02. Dottie says 10.02. I'm late, you know. So I was like, well, how is it 10 o'clock in the morning? 10 till. Yeah. 10 to the hour. Well, I had another question. I was wondering why there's a sign in the laundry room that's sort of hidden behind the bleach that says, keep out. Did they even take that down and, like, put that up in the house for you guys running around or something? Probably. <laughs> I might be surprised if it says, keep out, and at some point it said, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, why would that be in the laundry room? Like, that yellow one how funny oh we see the yellow flowers too up on the counter counter. yep crackling critters were those tasty greg probably i'm actually eating that in the episode i was probably hungry that's so funny so everybody's rushing out the door and as uh dottie's leaving she says don't forget to eat your to to eat something for breakfast amanda because it's the The most most important meal of the day Just as we were saying that, Amanda was mouthing it. That was kind of funny. <laughs> so she picks up the cereal that Greg was eating and, and then thinks better of it and puts it down and then grabs an orange and takes off. And then we're back at the agency where they're um, being briefed, debriefed, briefed or bre- debriefed? 
briefed. They're being briefed on, thank you, they're being briefed on Hans Rudzik, that he's back in the game, and they're all supposed to be looking out for him, um, checking with their contacts and such. They say he's uh, someone who doesn't deal in anything that isn't easy. He doesn't deal in, like, equipment, uh, weapons, things like that. He deals in plans and secrets and things like that so that it's easier to move. Yeah, is it just me, or is there, do they give a lot of camera time to, like, one of the agents in the back that never says anything? They always they do like that. A, they spend, like, an unusual amount of time focusing on that guy, and I kept thinking... Is that guy going to say something? <laughs> Why do they keep putting a camera on him? He was related to the guy with the camera. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Maybe he's a friend and they're like, we're going to put you on here. We're going to put you on. <laughs> like, he's just a leader in the scenes, but he doesn't, he doesn't do much. And he doesn't credit it with much because I did the guest stars. So, <laughs> so I don't know what happened. This was his moment and he blew it. His well, moment to shine. <laughs> Duffy, who shows up in like a number of episodes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some other guy. He's yeah. just It's like he's yeah. staring right in the camera, like this is my fifteen <laughs> seconds right here. <laughs> and yet, nothing happened after he didn't use it to yeah. his advantage. Um, so apparently, something went down really hard with Operation Thunderhead. Wait, I gotta say that better. Thunderhead. <laughs> that sounds better, right? And two of their best agents, they always say it's always two of their best agents or three of their best agents. Like they always, they're never mediocre agents that go down. (laughs) He was a crap agent anyways. (laughs) So funny. Cost two of her best agents. So Retzik got away with the goods. He made them look bad. So Lee's extra pissed off about that i think so then amanda's talking to her orange there are some we have to talk about this there are some very cringeworthy moments in this episode i for one when she's talking to her orange i just i just want to kind of put my hand over my face and just not even think about it because it's just embarrassing right that that goes back to my comment earlier about the whole car conversation not the weirdest thing that happens in the episode you're right It, it is weird. And she hasn't been drugged yet. That's what kills me. Well, she's so damn thin. Maybe she really needs to have like something of substance, you know, in her body to keep up. And I'm sure one single orange is going to do the trick. It would totally fill her up. I mean, it wouldn't fill me up, but it would fill her up. <laughs> well, so she's working on a um, working in DOS, that's for sure, like on the total green screen there. And so she's talking to her orange, and she's rather hungry. And then <laughs> Lee comes over, and he's asking her to to make some copies for him. And then she's obviously working on the case too because she already knows a, a Red Six name. Um, and she's like, you know, he seems like a really bad guy, and and he fills her in because, of course, you know, need to know goes out the window when they need it to. Mm-hmm. And he picks up her orange, which is a very um, important piece of information right now <laughs> for the story. That guy back there looks like Dabney Coleman, the guy right behind Lee. What? He, he, he kind of looks like Dabney Coleman, like right over Bruce's right, right shoulder. Over Lee's shoulder. 
So Lee's filling Amanda in on the fact that they lost two of their best agents uh, in an operation at one time uh, due to him. And, and he said they were damn good agents. And he's squeezing the orange. And then he gets up to leave. And at that same moment, Billy's calling Amanda because he needs her. And then Lee takes off with her breakfast. And now Amanda has no one to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> so she leaves. <laughs> Those damn button earrings. I don't like the all white outfit. She looks like yeah. she's like a um uh what do you call those at the the hospital? Like an orderly. <laughs> mm-hmm. It seems like she's missing a jacket or something. Yeah. No, they're white. You can because you can see her shirt tucked into them. Oh, they look white to me. But- too close in color. Yeah, it looks like yeah. white on white. Well, now Lee has gone over to Augie's newest uh, um, venture of the limo service. It looks like a real hot mess over there, I have to say. <laughs> it's a quality establishment. <laughs> I, think the, I think the term you're looking for is dumpster fire. There you go. Thank you. You're right. It is. And I'm sure there's a dumpster real close <laughs> in proximity there. So he finds him underneath the vehicle, and he's in a tuxedo, a very dirty tuxedo. With a clip on top. Yes. <laughs> it's high quality, nothing but the best for him. Well, and where did they film this scene? I don't it's know. An odd place. Yeah, I'm not sure where this one is. It's like half house, half garage. Yeah, it's like an industrial park area, really. But Lee's checking out um, and, and checking in with him to see if he knows uh, anything about Retsy because he says they run around in the same circles. And um, he's like close-lipped about it because he doesn't want to be a narc, I guess, and, and probably get paid, uh, get uh, hurt for, for saying anything. But he says it's a professional courtesy. <laughs> it's kind of ironic. Well, you know, the thugs got to stick together. <laughs> yeah. And Lee says, who are you trying to kid here? Your whole life has lent new dimension to the term amateur. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Augie. I know. He just gets the short end of the stick with Lee all the time. And he's very intimidated by Lee. So then he threatens him uh, with with more violence to... uh, Actually, not violence. He threatens it to call in the IRS uh, to uh, go through his books. Yeah. Which is even more frightening to him, apparently. The IRS scares everybody, don't they? I guess so, yeah. Uh, so now we're back at the agency, and Lee's going in to talk to, to Billy, and Amanda's like, hey, um, what happened to my orange? And he's like, what? And she's like, do you have my orange? And he goes, that was your orange? You gotta wonder, like, did he eat it, or did he, like, squish it to death? I think he used it like a stress ball. Yeah. yeah. I don't see him peeling. I don't see him being patient enough to like peel back an orange and eat it. <laughs> well, in the script, he says, <laughs> she says, uh, he goes, that was yours. She goes, yeah, I brought it home from lunch. She goes, I'm sorry. You must be starved. She goes, yeah, kind of. And then he goes, maybe you should run out and grab some lunch. Well, dude, you just took her breakfast. Maybe you should go get her some lunch. Like, really? That's kind of rude. And then in the script, here's the most awful thing that I could possibly have read, for me at least. And that is Francine comes over with Lee's sandwich and says, bologna on white extra mustard. Ugh, I hate bologna. That is the nastiest stuff ever. 
Ugh. Baloney. Baloney. I don't know. Yeah, my dad does. Oh, that's awful. Ugh. Awful. I had roommates in college that used to fry baloney and put ketchup oh, no. on it. Absolutely. Wait, they did. I'm sorry. They did what? They fried baloney. Like in a pan. Oh, that's just. Oh God, I can't even. (laughs) It would stink up the entire apartment. It was horrifying. What is baloney made from, anyways? I have no idea. Pork and other stuff, I imagine. Kind of like the in the family of the hot dog. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awful. Well, I'm glad they changed it. It's just a flat hot dog. Oh, that's nasty. But to fry it and then put ketchup on it. Ugh. Yeah. Like on bread? No. You... Can I change my answer about the earlier question? No, that's so nasty. It's still not a bologna sandwich. Do you really eat bologna? Mm, no. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that is so gross. Ugh. Not since I was six. Yeah, I think I had it when I was a kid, and that's probably why I would never want to eat it ever, ever, ever again. Ugh. Anyways, they do change it in the actual film version, and it's a chicken salad sandwich, which makes probably Lexi even more disgusted because <laughs> yeah, she hates chicken. Awesome. I think I would rather still be hungry than eat either of those. So. <laughs> and I've seen her hungry, folks. It's not pretty. Yeah, that's she true. Gets, she brings new meaning to hangry. That's true. I get hangry. I admit it. I get hangry. I think yeah. everybody does. Yeah. It's just what, at what level? Yeah. Some more than others. <laughs> yeah. I nowadays I just say jalapeno to Lexi when I know she's hangry and she goes yep <laughs> we had a big yeah. conversation about this about jalapenos when she was hungry and it was the oddest conversation I have ever had in my day. entire life yeah <laughs> so now we know when she's hungry I just I don't even word. say I don't even do anything I just step back <laughs> Too right. it seems like she's hesitant at first but then she like grabs it and like like it's a lifeline for her it was so awkward she grabs it and then she's like well if you insist and then she like starts mowing on it go ahead lex i know you want to talk about this i i don't i don't want to say anything about it i'm like looking through my fingers right now because it's just she actually when we were watching this uh last week she was like please just talk really loud so i can't hear this can you mute it can you do something she didn't want to hear the 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 nom 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 of it does a really good job acting it because you feel the cringe like you just you just feel it maybe she was really hungry on set and two needs there she she probably really wanted to eat that orange i guess (laughs) The talking to it was probably an ad lib. <laughs> it probably was. The extra mayo on it though sounds horrible, horrible to me. But but at least it's not bologna. Kate's probably like, I am not eating bologna, so don't even think about it. And they had them change it. Lee and Francine are in Billy's office, and Billy gets a phone call, and it's Hans Redsick. Which I think they don't do this. I think he's making a very bad assumption that I mean. They just brought the sandwiches in. What if he hadn't eaten, taken a bite yet? You know, like, hey, I just yeah, poisoned that yeah. sandwich you're eating. Oh, I haven't touched it yet. Oh, damn it. You need to wait till like one or yeah. two. Yeah. Like, exactly. Then Paul. <laughs> a lot of television shows do that. And you have to understand that the reason the timing is set up like that is because it's in the script. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you bring such insight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's 
just well, like, wait I mean, a few minutes. You've only got an hour. To <laughs> I know. So they can't be like, whoa, let's give it 20 minutes before <laughs> But yeah. they do the scene switches where they make it so that time looks like time has elapsed. It, she's yeah, still eating the sandwich yeah, at this point. I get that. Yeah. But, you know, it's in the script. They'll do it that way. Uh, for, for sure. He's like, what do you yeah. want? He's like, well, that's what I like about you. You're a bottom line kind of guy. So he tells them, I want you to um, have bring me blueprints for the new Striker 1 anti-aircraft plans. And you have eight hours to get me those. And he's like, okay, why would I be, you know, that's pretty generous generous of me. Why would I do that? And he's like, if you don't, you won't get the antidote. And he's like, what antidote? For the poison in your sandwich. And then he, he's like, oh, crap. And looks over at Amanda. She's scarfing it down faster than she's probably ever eaten anything. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's just a whole bunch of stuff scrolling on the computer behind her. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there, but... <laughs> I'm sure she's paying attention to it yeah, as but... she's scarfing her food down. Uh, can we can we just make us make all make a mental note here? It'll come up a little bit later, too. But let's just make a mental note that pretty much anybody can call the agency. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> right yeah. We're talking about a secret government... <laughs> Agency that pretty much anybody can just pick up the phone and right. Billy Melrose, yeah, I'll pet you. <laughs> I, I, their, their number must have been listed in the yellow pages. Yeah. Spies are us. Yes. Uh, operator, can I have the agency, please? <laughs> they do. Everybody calls them in all the episodes. They can get and right in. Right through. Yeah. Right in. Oh, Mr. Marsman, operator. <laughs> So now we get to meet Fronin, and he is an odd little duck, for sure. He's he's looking at the sandwich as if it's gonna like grow legs or something. <laughs> Does he give duck, being a scientist a bad name, Jen? Does it? <laughs> a little. Yeah. <laughs> Do you wear a little white coat, Jen? I, I don't. Huh? Do you wear a little white coat? Uh, no. Oh, I used yeah. to when I did lab work, but now I, I just make all the decisions and make the. White lab coat people do the work. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you have minions. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly, suddenly this has turned into a Friends episode. <laughs> White lab coats over here. Yeah. Words over here. They want answers. They're very anxious to find out if Amanda's going to die or not, which obviously they won't because they won't just be called Scarecrow. I mean, but um, um Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Well, until the fourth season. So. You just love it when I flop, don't you, buddy? So Cronin comes out and he's like, well, we know he goes, we have good news and bad news. The good news is it's not lethal. The bad news is we don't know what the effects are going to be. And, and Billy's like, is that why we pay you the big bucks? He goes, medium bucks, sir. <laughs> He said uh, they identified all the chemical substances except one, of course, uh, and it's an experimental drug. And it's not lethal, but they're not sure, you know, if, if it, it could be still lethal, but they don't know. <laughs> but there's definitely uh, hallucinogens in it, and uh, they're, they're pumping her stomach as they are talking. Has anybody ever had their stomach pumped? 
No, no, it's brutal. My brother had to um, when he was really little. My two older brothers. It was just it was just them at the time. I think they were like six and four. My oldest brother gave my little brother like pill, like aspirin or something, or you know Tylenol or something like that. So um, gave him like the whole bottle, and they had to like go get his stomach pumped. I guess it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which totally explains my brothers, but you know. <laughs> But Fronin's saying um, it could have radical changes to her personality. So get some popcorn, folks. This is going to be a bumpy ride. The only thing that would have been made that seem better is if he had said it's going to make radical changes to her behavior. I mean, she might be talking to fruit. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is my worst nightmare, though, is to be on drugs or something and make a total idiot out of myself, embarrass myself. <laughs> That's your worst nightmare? Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like being out of control. Yeah, yeah I, I know. Like, I don't like going to the hospital and getting put under because you never yeah. know what you're going to do, something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the one and only time I was under anesthesia, my doctor, once I was cognizant again, he's like, you were hilarious. Oh, no. I'm like, yeah, I know. not what I want to hear. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> I do not like that. No. Your mind's exactly. going to go in like, so many different places. Day. <laughs> oh no I always had weird dreams when I would go under I had to have tubes in my ears twice and I would have I had this dream this big giant ant came in <laughs> into the operating room and everybody would laugh at me there and I was like um hello <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then the other one was this was back in the early 80s and mash was still on I think and they were talking about mash about the episode from the night before or something. So I know that was real. But then they all started, like in this episode where Amanda has seized a nurse coming at her and Francine coming at her and seeing them in a way that they really weren't being. That's how they were doing. They were like, yeah, and they were like laughing at me and it was weird. Mm. So maybe that was the same type of drugs. Maybe. Well, I have a friend that works um in the er with the anesthesiologist and she has a lot of stories and she's told me a lot of stories so i know it happens <laughs> actually when i had my surgery i was like can you be in there to protect me from myself please <laughs> well you've seen those dent those ones where pe- those kids get their wisdom teeth taken out and they're hilarious they're like but we're all gonna die you know and they're like no what are you talking about they're freaking out yeah. So I feel bad for Amanda. Luckily, she doesn't remember anything. <laughs> so Fronin's saying that they keep her under um, observation for a while be- just to make sure to see how the drugs will affect her. And Billy's like, who's going to tell her? And he goes right up to Lee like, <clears throat> and and he's like, well, it was my sandwich. Like he has a choice in the matter. <laughs> Okay, so see, they did do some time has passed now. They did a little scene change, and now you can tell time has passed. And she's being wheeled in by uh, Francine, and she doesn't look real happy. Amanda doesn't. Uh, so the experience wasn't all uh, sunshine and butterflies, I guess. She says that was the worst experience I've ever had. So he tells her that the poison's not lethal, but they need to keep under observation and of course the first thing she thinks of is her children greg isn't that sweet she's worried about disappointing you because you guys were going to go to goofy golf yeah goofy golf yes goofy golf it's very important that she's not too drugged up for goofy golf 
That would golf. that would actually make no it one, fun. No one has ever gone miniature golfing while they've been stoned. Yeah, right. I think that's actually a requirement. Yeah. Uh, hello, they named it Goofy Golf. They were probably stoned when they named it. Totally. He's like, well, you still may be able to, to make it with a little luck. I don't think it's a good idea to send her. <laughs> She'd probably be like hanging on the uh, windmill. and. <laughs> yeah, she's supposed to be under observation, right? They're, yeah. They're supposed to be watching her right. in case something bad happens to her, right? Right. Just, okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> just checking my math. So then Billy comes in and he said, hey, Augie Swan wants to meet at the Hatman House. Now, apparently the Hatman House must be a restaurant. They don't really sure. say, but it, I mean, it. it's listed in the script and then there he goes and meets a, a gentleman at the at this restaurant. So a little cafe. So that apparently is the Hatman house. So he tells the man everything's going to be all right. You know, he'll make it right and he's going to get this creep. And then he heads off to the Hatman house. And apparently then Amanda somehow shakes him loose, shakes the, uh, the observation people loose because she ends up showing up at the same place. Yeah, that's point number two. Point number one is anybody can make a phone call to the secret government agency. Point number two is that uh, house mom... Oh, I like how you said that. ...skipped their uh, observation. These are the people... The agency is responsible for protecting our country. (laughs) And they can't keep Amanda King in a hospital bed. Especially because you probably drove over there. Yeah. Not a good idea. That would be an interesting uh, scene to see. <laughs> Her driving under the influence. Nobody that has handcuffs. I mean, <laughs> they've never kept anybody, you know, <laughs> under observation before. Lexi was yelling that. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I said, why Why is she not strapped down? Like, just not down. I know. That's what I said, you know, like, Jen. When, when someone's in the they like might cause self-harm to themselves or other like harm to themselves or others they have these nice padded cuffs and they're strapped <laughs> down to the, to the hospital bed how do you know they're dangerous. padded lexi oh <laughs> i'm just saying they are uh-huh they are huh <laughs> they are they have like, were they nice to you when you were there She's, she's like, they're about this big. They feel kind of cushiony. I'm just saying that they're, they were, they're an option. They were an option that they could have used and they chose not to. We're watching this scene in the whole time in the hospital, with this hospital scene, and she's like, why don't they tie her down? Why don't they strap her down? I said restrain her. I said you said tie her, her down. down. You said tie her down. I did. You were just like, Viewers would have been horrified to see that. Yeah. To see it, Amanda King strapped out. <laughs> She's not an animal. Right. Oh my god. She was able to get free because it was in the script. Well, so they keep using this, like they use the same batty house. They use the same hotel cafe place as well. And actually when they get inside, so this is just a screen, you know, like um establishing shot, but when they get into the actual scene, this is actually at the L um the El Royale, all of this. It's beautiful there. The woodwork in there is amazing. Even to this day, it's just all authentic. The ceiling, I showed Lexi some pictures. The ceiling is, is exquisite. It's really neat. But then they had the little cafe scene outside in courtyard out there. 
uh, when they go to meet Deersing. Which, do you guys remember Deersing, where that name comes from? No. It sounds familiar, but... It should. Remember the construction guy I talked to when uh, we had that lunch at the 35th anniversary? The head of construction, Mike Deersing? So they they he said that they told him to use the names of the cast or the crew because then he would be able to remember the names. So obviously this was part of that because Deersing is part of this uh, scene coming up. So Augie's there with him and he's like, "Hey, this Deersing guy's out there. He's eating alone. He's looking uh, for anti anti aircraft. He said it's, he's in the market for some missile plans." He goes, handheld anti-aircraft? He goes, could be. I don't know if Red Six made contact yet, so you might be able to do some bluffing. So then Lee goes out there to meet this guy and starts talking with him and, you know, pretending to be representing a South American person of interest. And so the guy's kind of playing along with them until uh, somebody gets loose from from the agency. From the psycho ward. <laughs> And nobody, they're not scrambling to find her. Because he said, when Billy stuck his head in, he said, Augie just called. He needs you to meet him over at the Hatman house. Oh, yeah, I think you overheard him. Yeah, so that's how she overheard him. I bet she just got in a taxi. This is actually, all of this is filmed at the El Royale. (laughs) Another cringe moment coming, compliments of Amanda King. As she starts eating people off of people's plates. It's so embarrassing. She's starving, man. Oh, I know. She just had her stomach pumped. She's starving. It's just awful, though. It's so embarrassing. I can't even imagine going up and just like eating with your fingers off of someone's plate. I know. So Amanda comes in. Lee. Sorry, I'm late. Uh, uh, yes, this is, uh, my associate, Amanda King. How do you do? Of course, uh, if I were to consider your offer, the finder's fee would have to be substantial. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure my people will make it worth your while. Mmm. You mind if I have one of these? I'm really very... Mmm. Very good. Amanda? Mm-hmm. Can I talk with you, please? The water closet. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, excuse us. Excuse us. Lee, is this Red Sig, the man that you're looking for? Ah. Uh, oh, terrific. Just terrific. What? Excuse us. I get you out of here. I think that drug is starting to take effect. I don't take drugs. Uh, what do you mean you... Amanda, don't you remember this morning? A sandwich. Oh, I'd like a sandwich. <sighs> So, of course, they're standing right in front of Red Sick, uh, unbeknownst to them. And he here overhears it. So now he knows that Amanda's eating the sandwich, not Lee. So all this is filmed in the El Royale, which is Galilee Hospital, <laughs> too, later on. You can see the woodwork right behind Lee. It's really pretty. Mm-hmm. I forgot how much. I think they were saying the the apartment that we went in was like eight or $9,000 a month. To rent. Wow. Yeah. And it's not huge. I think it was, I think it was a two bedroom. That was a studio here in LA. Eight or nine thousand dollars. No, but like right, yeah, like right now. But that building is really pretty. 
But it's very old school. Very, very old school. Is it still apartments? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, um, it's, it's, um, um, con- like a condo type. And then they also have apartments that they rent to. It was kind of a, a hybrid, I think. The, the manager could not be uh, nicer. She was very accommodating and let us go up on the rooftop. And we got great pictures. We'll have to share them with everybody uh, on the on the Facebook page. But really, really nice. And then uh, she was taking down the information because she wanted to, to check out the episode and uh, see, you know, the, her building in the actual show. So she was very interested in it. It was cool. Yeah, it was cool. So Lee is now taking Amanda to the hospital. And she's, the drugs are definitely taking effect because now her vision's getting blurred. She's seeing things that aren't really there. She's seeing things more extreme, I guess. More like a morphed version of uh, the what's actually happening. The doctor and the nurse kind of look funny to her. <laughs> she's like clinging to Lee. It's really cute. <laughs> and she like shoves her face into his coat. I do like her coat. Lexi doesn't, but I do. <laughs> We already talked about my aversion to beige. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> is aversion the right word? Is aversion really the word you want to use? Oh, it's the word. Mm-hmm. It is? Aversion? Yep. So aversion. Is that something stronger and maybe shorter? Hate. <laughs> so now Amanda passes out right in Lee's arms, and she just goes limp, and but she then helps them get her into the bed because you can see her leg like push herself up onto the bed. But then he's like, you take good care of her and then leaves. I mean, wouldn't, if that was your partner and friend, wouldn't you like make sure that she yeah. comes too? You think? Yeah. I'd be worried enough to stay for a while. Right. Just to make sure she's all right. But then he just takes off and apparently they have a sting going on with uh, a house that Red Sick has rented and Billy and another agent are waiting for him. And uh, they, they said they can't, they have confirmation that, um, he's there with a with a girl. I mean, he's clearly in a rush because he doesn't he doesn't roll up his car windows. He doesn't lock it. You know, he just he never does that, Lexi. He, well, he leaves I his keys in there. For this episode, like he's clearly clearly in a hurry. He only locks his car when it's a plot point. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah, right. And then he locks it like this. <laughs> he totally does. Let me show everybody my my flicking. The guy is doing something to the girl, but then they show her and she's just sitting there and she's all gotten, she's all buttoned up and everything. So it does seem like they're uh, in a makeout session. That's what they're doing when they're house sitting. Yeah. Like, like house sitting kids have never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have to worry about that. <laughs> I have cameras. I have cameras. Yep. So do we, we can talk to them too through the cameras. Stop doing that. We do that too. And then they're like looking around like, <laughs> like I, God, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so they get to the house and it's just a, a young guy, a young kid and his girlfriend and they're watching that, that movie. They're watching that same movie, Greg, the, dinosaur? the dinosaur, the Qui-Gon or whatever. What was it? Um, Oh, shoot. Valley of the Guanji. Thank you. Valley of the Guanji. <laughs> they had that in one of the uh, third season episodes. No, fourth season episodes. Was it an episode of Bones, too? They. Uh, it's because Warner Brother owns it. And they probably figured they don't have to pay anything for it. Probably. 
it's a bust at, at the Red Sick Rental. So um, then we go back to the hospital and Amanda's starting to have her dream, which I know when I saw this in the previews when I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, they're going to kiss. <gasps> they're going to kiss, you know? So you had to watch, you know, obviously I watched all the time, but I, I was super excited about this episode. And then you find out, oh, it's just a dream, but you're like, they still kiss. <laughs> As a, a 10 or 11 year old little girl, I was like super excited about that. Oh, me too. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> no, but it was, it was like, you know, it wasn't anything, it wasn't for, for their cover. It wasn't anything about that. It was just that they wanted to, albeit it was a dream sequence, but still it was there. This is where that password thing comes in from earlier in the script where they kind of scrapped that. The password for the last week and last month was third base. The password for the first week and this month was jump shot. The password for the second week and this month was moonbeam. The password for this week is counterweight and next week it will change to riverbank. She turns around and instead of finding Mrs. Marston there, she finds a very dolled up Dottie. Her hair is huge. Oh, I was going to say dolled up. Is that Latin for large hair? <laughs> it, I don't know how else to say it. Her hair is huge. It's like 80s went crazy. And she's like, mother, what are you doing here? She goes, funny, I was going to ask you the same thing. She's like, I'm a spy. She goes, now was that so hard? She goes, you're not surprised? She goes, why should I be? I've known all along. I just wanted to see if you could be honest. She goes, you knew? She's like, how? She goes, I'm a spy too. <laughs> Everything is exaggerated. And then out comes, out of the out of the elevator comes two strapping, handsome young fellas and dressed in suits. Boys. Hi, Mom. Why didn't you tell your mother you were spies? Mom, you didn't have a need to know. Mother, if they don't find an antidote, are they going to have to send you to a funny farm? And if you don't come back, can I return? Well, I don't know. Let's ask Philip first. He's oldest. Good afternoon, Mrs. King. Philip, no need to be so formal. Anything you say, Mrs. King. Sweetheart, do you have a call? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the picture. That's the, picture. That's the suit. <laughs> that is That badge cracks me up. This is I love how Philip has for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that can just be your picture up. So you've got that little orange thing with your arm down pat. You're like all studly. You look. You do look like a, a, an old man trapped in a little kid's body. I was. I was trying to be cool. Yeah. Well, you you succeeded, and and I have to say, Paul looks pretty studly too with his three piece suit and his jacket thrown over his shoulder like that. Mm-hmm. His hair's kind of feathered like uh, fourth season Lee, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he's got the little gun holster. <laughs> Miranda, does that do anything for you? Because you always had a crush on him. Not anymore. Maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be creepy. I was six. Yeah, that, was, that would have been creepy. I'm glad you answered it that way. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Well, apparently in Amanda's dreams, she can rattle off passwords like that, and you very swat. <laughs> hey, there was no indication that any of those passwords were actually correct. That's true. <laughs> That's true. She was confident, though. Dottie wouldn't yeah. know. And I have to point out, Dottie's desk 
has a million things on it. And whenever you see Mrs. Marston's, there's like not a thing on it. And you're got to go, well, what are you doing when no one's coming for a visit? Like nobody comes there very often. So like, what do you do? Your whole desk is completely empty. But at least Dottie's is, is, has got quite a, an array of papers on it and a computer, I guess. And the lobby's much more homey. Did you guys notice that? There's like a rug, there's tables, there's mm -hmm. plants, there's knickknacks on the tables. Yeah. It's not like that in the real, in the, in real life. <laughs> in the real fake lobby. In the real fake lobby. Doesn't look like that. I love it. Amanda kind of gets indignant. She's like, boys, why didn't you tell your mother you were spies? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't need to know. Need to know basis. I didn't need to know. She didn't. Wow, little junior spy you are. Now? <laughs> <laughs> no. Today? No, not now. I had two whole lines. I didn't turn my head or anything. You weren't just a pretty face. Yeah, you were looking at the camera. You didn't turn your head or anything. You were almost like an actor. I know. <laughs> skills, baby. Skills. <laughs> Then you start hearing Red Stick's voice coming out of out of uh, Philip's mouth. That, uh, and I may be selfish in saying this, but I honestly think that that whole sequence is the best part of the episode. <laughs> well, I have to say the kissing part for me, the Casablanca scene was was for me, but um, that's a second. Okay. But I can see why you like it. No, and it's not even because it it showed the potential of what the show could have done. If they had involved the, if they involved Dottie and the kids before, yeah, I mean they could have, they could have been, uh, well even in even in seasons you know three and four, and and the and Dottie could have been more, you know they could have been kidnapped, they could have been drugged, they could have been you know made targets of a hit, they could have you know there was a right. lot of potential there. Mm -hmm. Um, they could have discovered that she was a spy. They, you know, there's a there was so much potential, and that show that that little sequence was kind of a glimpse of, you know, what it could have been. Even if they had taken it to a campy level, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> there's a lot of fan fiction stories that go along that vein. It's funny because my nephew just started watching the Spy Kids movies with um, Antonio Banderas and stuff. And as I'm watching this episode, I'm thinking, how fun would that have been if they were like spy kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have had just your own spin-off, Greg. That would have been awesome. <laughs> I can do it now. I can shave the beard. You would probably look like you're 12. <laughs> shave off the beard, you'd look 12 again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Red sick is there when she wakes up, puts his hand over her mouth and, uh, and the scene ends and Lee comes walking into the, um, into Amanda's ho uh, hospital room and Francine's yelling at the nurse and on the bed is a little cassette tape. And he's like, you know, where's Amanda? And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. She was gone the minute I got here. She, and the nurse says, Hey, I had an emergency. I was only gone for a few minutes. And when I got back, that was on the bed. And then Francine looks out and sees through the window, Amanda, and this one, this is a cringeworthy one for me because I don't like heights. So, and I know how t high that actually is up. It's very, very high and it's very, very freaky. 
So just knowing that the stunt double was up there doing that freaks me out so badly. <laughs> so they're trying to calm her down and get her to come off the ledge. And then meanwhile, Francine's going around the other edge, uh, the other side to come around to uh, head her off. And Amanda's doing <laughs> gymnastics, I guess, up there on the ledge. And she goes, oh, Lee, you just missed the cartwheel. <laughs> the view from there is amazing. You can see the Hollywood sign. All of it's beautiful up there. That's cool. It's very pretty. There's a golf course out there now that wasn't there before. So Lee's trying to get her to come down. And Francine's coming around the other end because it's kind of a wraparound. And then she's like, did you ever think that the reason we can't fly is because we're conditioned to think that we can't? And Lee's like, oh, no. <laughs> She goes, I've always believed that you can do anything you want to do. If you want to do it badly enough, just put your mind to it. <laughs> and then she starts getting a little wobbly. And then he grabs her. And she's like, it kind of brings her to her senses. And she's like, what happened? <laughs> He's like, could we take this discussion inside? Now, in the script, it gets they have a few little things that weren't used but they're, they're kind of cute when she says it's negative attitudes that limit our abilities and then uh he grabs her she says lee what are you doing he said i almost slipped amanda could you could we go back inside i'm not too crazy about heights and she says lee you shouldn't be out here if you're scared he goes i know and i'm not sure i can make it back in alone maybe you could help she goes certainly hold on <laughs> So then he helps her in, and she thinks she's helping him in her delusional state, I guess. Kind of cute. So they get her in, and then they're listening to the tape, and um, he's asking for the Striker 1 prince. And the guys from the army are there. They're very serious. And they're just, they're not going to play the game. And they, they said that, um, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice a squad to save a battalion. And then... You know, Lee's really upset with that because he's not going to let her die because he cares for her, even if he doesn't want to admit it. <laughs> the guy's like, I sympathize with your problem. Of course, I feel sorry for this Mrs. King. He goes, now, wait a minute. You're not just walking away from this. He goes, I'm not going to jeopardize this um, weapon system. He goes, we're talking about a woman's life here, a mother of two young boys. Cute boys. <laughs> To save a battalion, not in this outfit, pal. I love it when he gets mad at people and he calls them pal. <laughs> Listen, pal. He goes, I'll tell you what the general solution is. Nuke Rutzig till he glows. But that is not how we'll get that antidote. He goes, you want to compromise? You've got it. We'll give you the striker blueprints. But I want the drop zone surrounded with my men. And he's like, they're not going to come within a mile of that area. But he's like, you won't see my men. And actually, you don't. I don't know if they mess with it with the camera or not but you don't see them out there so until they want you to see them so they compromise and they're going to be out there with lee and uh at denwood park there's no cover no buildings no way to get in and in, in there and he said that his crack alpha team's going to get in there before red sick does <laughs> shouldn't, the, shouldn't the agency have people that are that good too yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> Same people who can't answer a phone. Or... And, and can't hold on to a housewife. Yeah, that's true. So then Fronin comes running in all disheveled. And he's like, has anybody seen Mrs. King? He's like, oh, good show, Fronin. He goes, it's a drug surge. She seems to have an exceptional talent for getting away from us. And then you hear glass shatter. So they all go running out. And then 
the door to the agency, uh, to the bullpen has been crashed, crashed open and she's got a golf club. <laughs> I love how the guards are carrying her by the elbows and she's just dangling there. Where did she get a golf club? <laughs> I know. Well, in the script, they said there was one in the office that she was being uh. held in. So they always have an answer for it in the script and then they kind of just do away with it when they go to film. Like people will figure it out. It's one of those those government types who was going to go golfing after his uh, yeah. day in the office. She's um, been practicing her goofy golf so she can take her cute little boys, uh, you know, golfing. And Fronin's saying, you know, we thought she'd revert to more normal behavior, you know, being uh, in um, an area she's been around before. And uh, not so much, apparently. He's like, we can't, we can't, she's so goofy. We can't keep her, you know, we can't send her home like this. And Lee's like, well, what about my place? I'm surprised Francine didn't say anything like, oh. And uh, he's like, she's been there before. It's safe. Francine can babysit. And Francine's like, it's not my place. <laughs> <laughs> so that thing they do with the golf club, is that like drawing the shortest stick or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. I forget what it's called, I but. I don't think I've ever done Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, it, you, you start at the bottom and then you keep going and then the person that can get the top. Yeah. Yep. That's what I've always done. I've never done with the golf club, but. Francie wins. Yeah. <laughs> it was cute. And then Amanda's just, they're all talking and Amanda's just sitting there like practicing her, her putt. <laughs> And he goes, uh, make sure she doesn't cause any more trouble. He goes, that hole's pretty far off the ground. It's not easy to do with a, a chip shot with a putter. <laughs> he seems, you know, just like trying to goad her. So Francine takes her off. And they're back at Lee's apartment, which not, this is my least favorite of his apartments. It's very, yeah. It's very, I don't know. Woman trap. Yeah, they, like a woman trap. yeah. I was trying to say it nicely. Yeah, it's a good way. Like, just so bachelor pad, like extreme bachelor pad with the Asian yeah. accents and everything. And yeah, and I don't know what that what that's supposed to be over by the window. It's like, like uh, it's a window seat. Yeah, but the but the way it's set up, it doesn't. It's it's too high off the ground to be a window seat. Well, the it has to be up there so you can look out the window when you're sitting in it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like actually. That's the only part of the apartment I like. Yeah. I like the view. Yeah, I like the view. <laughs> oh, I guess it's kind of lower. I'm talking. I'm not talking about the 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 window seat. I'm talking about the big blocks next to it that are like shelves. Weird. Those are weird. Oh, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. The window okay. seat's fine. It's the two blocks next to them that are like steps yeah, like that go up. Shelves. Yeah, they're like shelves, but they're huge and they take up so much space. It's just weird. Be cooler if there was drawers underneath them. Yeah. So Francine grabs some candles and uh, lights and lights them. She's like, "Let's light some candles." And Amanda throws her a baseball, and she goes, uh, "Candles." Lee, have you over for candlelight dinners all the time? Uh, often, she goes all the time, which isn't true. <laughs> At least not that we know. That's we know true. Happening off screen. Very Just true. Maybe it is. Very <laughs> true. Maybe they were getting jiggy with it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so though. Um, and then she starts fluffing a pillow and kind of getting sleepy. And Francine's like, "Hey, why don't you take a nap?" She's like, "Oh, I'm not sleepy." And then as she's lighting the candle, Amanda goes down and is like out <laughs> like a light. Yeah. 
And then comes the the fun uh, Casablanca scene, which Casablanca uh, is supposedly, uh, Kate said in an interview one time, I remember uh, that that's her favorite movie. Oh, that's interesting. It makes sense that this would be kind of her, uh, you know, that it would be using that. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Maybe it was written without that knowledge. I don't know. But the candle, the camera kind of goes into the cam, uh, into the candles, and then you see Lee and Amanda standing there, very dressed up. He's in a white tux, and then she's in a sparkly white pinstripe outfit. <laughs> what, what, do you, what would you like to say about that outfit? I don't have anything to say. Are you sure? I don't know. It seemed to, say. to you seem to have an opinion. I don't. <laughs> I think he was talking. You don't have anything nice. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it looks like pajamas. You're right. She does like those silky she, yep. pantsuit things. Yep. Right. I think yeah. she's all about comfort, it seems. Yeah. You know? So this is a continuation of her dream of going yeah. on the path where it's being a very mm-hmm. spy, and now she's the one. It's that red. Out. Yeah, it's the red. You get wow. that red hue, the red lights to mm-hmm. show that it's it's a dream. And yeah, that she's she's kind of Rick from the movie. And and then he's, you know, um, staying back behind. So the kind of role reversal there. I can't leave you. You've got to. Where you're going, I can't come. You've got a job to do. I can only get in the way. But what about tonight? The way we feel about each other. Look, our feelings don't add up to a pile of chicken salad in this crazy mixed up world. If I went with you, you might not regret it today, next week, next year. But one day you'll look at yourself in the mirror and you'll say, I should have asked my mother. Amanda, there's something I want you to have. Something that's been in my family for three generations. A little something to remember me by. I could never forget you. We'll always have Arlington. Here's looking at you, kid. And they start kissing. And then she spills her champagne all over. And then the dream ends. And the candles get blown out. And she wakes up and she's like, oh boy. (laughs) And then... Francine's like all excited. She's like, well, that must have been a pretty interesting dream, huh? <laughs> She's like, who's Rick? <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. So then we uh, cut to Lee, and he's got a briefcase with the striker plans, one would assume. And he's talking to somebody in, this, uh, in his earpiece, and he's looking around, and he's saying, you know, they... <laughs> the military crew is well hidden because you can't see them anywhere. And Lee sees someone coming and he's like, I don't know. It's too far to see. I can't tell if it's red sick or not. And then he, he like squints and then he's like, ah, oh, it's like son of a biscuit. <laughs> it's Augie. And Augie starts running. And then the guys, all the, the <laughs> camouflaged guys come out. He's like, don't shoot. Don't shoot. It looks like they're just like off one of the LA freeways there. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? It's a big, it's a big area. It could be, honestly, Jen, it could be that area that is now a um, golf course that was over by the El Royale. I wouldn't doubt it because it was a huge piece of land. And back, and that was before the, the, the um, golf course obviously didn't go in until much later. Could be. 
They tended to uh, use areas in the same kind of cluster to save time, probably. I'm sure Greg remembers where it was. Uh, that's a negative. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't in that scene. I was on location all the time, man. <laughs> I, was a, I was an on-location fool, let me tell you. When you weren't traveling around on your bicycles? Yeah, well, you know, that was actually on the lot. <laughs> yeah, we just actually uh, recorded the one where you get your bike run over. Car Wars? Yeah. Yeah. That was not very smart of you to leave your bike in the driveway. Yeah, uh, so I've been told. <laughs> Repeatedly. Repeatedly. Um, so Lee's asking Augie, like, you know, what are you doing here? And he's like, hey, I, I got a tip that that uh, I there would be something, uh, there would be some action down here. And he's like, what do you mean a tip? He goes, just an anonymous tip, which obviously was Red Stick telling him and then we actually see red sick um in far away he's got binoculars watching the whole scene play out so he knew it was a trap i don't know how far away he really was well he'd I have to be far was, away the army would really see him wasn't. if you ever noticed and not it didn't happen in this episode but it happens in a lot of episodes where people are watching the king house they're from their car mm-hmm. and they're across the street I mean, like, and nobody notices them across the street, and no one notices them. So, you know, I don't know that Ritzik was really all that far away. He was probably just behind the general, colonel, military, army guy, <laughs> right behind him, breathing down in their necks. <laughs> well, yeah, because in odds on a dead pigeon, there's a an Amanda look like just sitting right like outside of her driveway, and nobody notices that there's like right. two Amandas standing there. Yeah. Within like a oh, hundred yeah. yards of each other. <laughs> well, Amanda's uh, somehow has moved over to the uh, comfy uh, window seat now, Miranda. So she she liked the window seat too. And Francine's making sandwiches. I'm sure she does probably doesn't never wants to eat another sandwich in her life. <laughs> yeah. And can anyone think Francine would be making sandwiches? Like that's like the one thing I wouldn't think Francine would be doing. <laughs> There you go. Yep. But it would have been hilarious to see her making a PB and J and like cutting the crusts off. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if if we're gonna call the show delirious on our our arrival, let's make it. it, Let's really put it out there. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, in the script, um, back at the for the the dream sequence when it was written, uh, it was that it was gonna be a dream based on Gone with the Wind. And so in the in the sequence, he says to us, and she says, thank you. And then Lee says, did I ever tell you what beautiful eyes you have? As she blushes, really, they are, they're very expressive. And Amanda says, if I didn't know better, I'd think you were making a pass. And he says, what if I am? You're a young, beautiful woman. Have you any idea how difficult it's been to keep our relationship at a professional level? It's, and then she says, it's getting late. She starts to rise and Lee moves quickly to uh, quickly next to her. Please don't go yet, Amanda. I need you. I want you to come away with me. And she says, oh, I couldn't. What would Jamie and Philip do? He goes, we'll send for them, please. <laughs> oh 
He pulls her hand to his mouth, kisses it, then suddenly sweeps her up in his arms, Rhett Butler style, and carries her to the couch. He puts her gently down, then stands back. Amanda reaches up to him. Then the ripple dissolve. And then when she wakes up, Francine said, that must have been a really, that must have been an interesting dream. Who's Rhett? <laughs> so, I like to Casablanca. I do too, but I bet you, I bet you Kate had something to do with uh, changing that to Casablanca. Well, and the, the wordplay is better in the yeah. version than the Gone with the Wind version. Totally, because not... they're spies. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, so she wakes up and Francine's making sandwiches and then she's still kind of out of it and Francine's talking to her normal, but Amanda's seeing everything in this very mixed up, blurred way. Haze, like a haze. Yeah, like a haze, thank you. And um, she's like, got this big old butcher's knife. She's like, but I'll tell you something. I'm really, I'm me- I make a mean sandwich. And Amanda's like, no, 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 no. Trying to get her to stay away from her because she thinks she's going to cut her up. She's like, how about a glass of water? <laughs> it's like so devious. She's like, I'm going to get you a drink of water, okay? And then all she sees is this big old butcher knife with its shiny glare. And then Amanda grabs a vase while Francine's got her head turned and knocks her over the head with it. And then she crumples to the ground and Amanda takes off. And then Lee shows up only to find Francine just finally coming to. In the script, Lee says, any idea where she might have gone? And Francine says, I hope far away. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty hard hit to the head there with that. Yeah, that thing broke. I mean, look how thick it is. He's like, what happened? She goes, I don't know. One minute I'm making cold cuts. The next thing I'm out on the floor cold. You know, maybe Amanda doesn't like pastrami on rye. (laughs) He goes, Amanda did this. She goes, yeah, we locked ourselves in. We can't have her running around. It's She's not safe. He goes, yeah, society's not safe. Okay, this scene you love, Lex. This is a scene you love. When she's calling him Bill and everything. Oh, yeah. She's like, guess she didn't get her raise. <laughs> but did you guys notice the um, the um, uh, tennis racket's back on the wall again? I did not Next to that weird, creepy doll. Greg, do you know any story, any information on that creepy doll, yellow doll that hangs um, right Right where the steps go up to the landing, like up toward the stairs. Oh, yeah. There it is. There's like this little doll. And then before it was the doll was in front of the tennis racket hanging on the wall. It's like a bad, it's like a badminton racket. Okay. Is it, is the doll really ugly? It's, yeah, it's like really creepy looking thing. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have any idea, but... Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that they put stuff like that in there because someone found it funny. <laughs> it's so weird. It like goes away and then the doll will be gone and then the tennis racket will be gone and I, now both of them are back again. Yeah. They, it's, I don't know. But, That's funny. Uh, if it's really atrociously ugly, someone probably put it in there because they thought it was Just like people would go, what the hell is that? That's exactly what I would do. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, you're getting milk and cookies now by from Grandma. I'm so jealous about this. I mean, I never got milk and cookies. You probably didn't hate filming that scene. No, and I love the fact that she says it's time for milk and cookies. Like, you know, like... Like it's a scheduled thing. Yeah, exactly. No fair. Yeah, and what are we watching on television? I was just going to say, it's nice to know you're not watching the Valley of the Guanji. You're watching like a Western. Yeah. And then I like Dottie grabs a cookie too. <laughs> I would have too. But you guys don't touch the milk. So then uh, Amanda comes running down the stairs and (laughs) 
She's got a a really bad jacket on. That that's true. It's just it's like ballerina slipper pink, and then it's really big. It makes her look like really big. I'm pretty sure I had that jacket in the 80s. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It has a weird clasp in the front, too, the way it comes together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she comes down the stairs and she's got a a blow dryer, which I've never seen one that's battery operated. Mm-hmm. You haven't? No, I've never I seen either. one. Have you? I've never either. Yes. We, there was, yeah, we actually, we had one. It was a travel hair dryer. And it had, no. It wow. Have, it would take a lot of batteries. It, it didn't have double A. It had D batteries. Oh, gosh. D batteries. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, you would, it would have to take some big batteries, I'm thinking. Yeah, it didn't have double A's. It had uh, car batteries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was for travel. <laughs> but apparently they existed. Surely they didn't retrofit a blow dryer. I know, but it makes sense why they have it for later the later scene. But it, it is odd. It was written in the script. Yeah, it was written in the script. <laughs> so the, the, the uh, props people are like, a battery-operated blow dryer. What? <laughs> Great. So she's rattling around, trying to in the drawers, trying to find the batteries, and uh, she starts loading it up. And then she says, um, "It's really funny." She grabs the phone, and very authoritatively, she's yes. she's like, um, "Dad, she's like sticking the batteries in." <laughs> Hello, get me Melrose, please. This is King here. Bill, Amanda, I've been thinking about this red zig thing. It's gone way too far. He's like, pick up on three. So I want to pause for a second there. So in the script, they actually, they have, and remember they call red zig Luger in this. She goes, King here, get me Melrose. Bill, this Luger business has gone too far. We got to quit pussyfooting around and nail this sucker. Oh my God. So she gets a little more um, intense on that one in the script. They do change it around a little bit. And then in the script, too, when Amanda leaves, Philip goes, Graham. Oh, no, excuse me. He said Graham's, which he never does. Graham's, is mom feeling okay? And she goes, I'm not sure. Maybe she got her promotion. That kind of stuff affects people in strange ways. (laughs) Like, it went right to her head. (laughs) So she is, she's dictating all this to, in the film version, she's dictating all this to Bill. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'll send some, yes, ma'am. I'll send someone right over. And then Lee gets on and he's like, he, he kind of mumbles, is this Amanda or John Wayne? <laughs> we got to nail this sucker and nail him good. She's like, good, Amanda. People respect assertiveness. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And, and Francine's like, oh, God, help us. <laughs> so he rushed, Lee rushes over there to pick her up. And Amanda rushes out. I have some unfinished business to tend to. And as she gets out there, Red Sick shows up just in time. She goes, well, old Bill's getting pretty efficient. I like that. <laughs> and then she's like, hello, I believe we've met. Uh, we haven't met, but uh, he goes, Logan, Niles Logan. So then he makes up a fake name. She goes, well, you'll drive carefully then, won't you? (laughs) And he's just like, okay, what the hell is this? He should know. He's the one to get I know, right? (laughs) So Lee is passing by and just happens to 
get really curious about a car going by and sees that it's Red Sick and Amanda and does a, a 180 and follows them. Woo, that. I bet you they loved, the stunt guy loved doing that uh, turn. Mm -hmm. That was pretty oh intense. God. The car the car chase or the car sequence is like the most hilarious. They're driving <laughs> through this quiet neighborhood and they're all they're, screeching oh my gosh they're driving so fast they're all <laughs> drifting around corners and amanda goes good driving there <laughs> like in reality she'd be like oh crap <laughs> seeing all the the rubber on the asphalt after he turns i'm like oh those tires oh mm. you know they love that mm -hmm. i bet it was fun to drive Oh, I'm sure they definitely love the Corvette better than the uh, the Porsche. Well, so this is the what is it again, Jen? The Orpheum? Yes, the theater. Yeah. Yeah, Orpheum Theater. It's actually been the set for quite a lot of um, other projects, whereas the El Royale, there were only like four other things filmed there. Oh yeah. Yeah, but the theater is used a lot. Yeah, the Orf the Orpheum is a big theater. Yeah. Uh, do they had they restored it? I mean, is it like still like yeah, that? Yeah, and I I'm pretty sure they use it. I'm pretty sure it's used uh, frequently as a theater. Oh, that's awesome! That's all. It's beautiful. The the woodwork in there, the craftsmanship is just gorgeous. So Red Sick tells Amanda that the um, the event is going down inside. So that's how he gets her in there, and Lee follows him in there, which. It's kind of shady how he gets, how he just knows where he's going because he pulled down that street and then Lee turned too. So I don't know how he would have seen him, but again, plot hole, whatever. Um, but then Lee comes in, tries to get in, and Red Six shoots his uh, windshield a bunch of times and then finally runs in. So then Lee can follow him in now. So that like shouldn't that have shattered? Like, does he have bulletproof glass? I or thought so too. It should have. Yeah, those bullet those bullets would have gone through the glass, and Lee would have been dead. But it wasn't in the script. <laughs> well, thank goodness. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah, that theater is beautiful. Yeah, if you guys want to see uh, Derek Huff dance, you can see it at the Orpheum this summer. Oh, really? Is that that's where he's doing it? That's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, th that's just one of the few. Not, I'm not saying I'm going to buy tickets because I might, but. Uh, are you a fan? Uh, I'm sorry, what? I said, are you a fan? Of, of what? What are we talking about? About Derek. Yeah, well, Derek. I'm, yes, I'm a fan. Oh, look at you. I wouldn't have guessed that. I can appreciate dance. I, I wasn't and judging. abs. <laughs> I can think he's pretty. <laughs> now they're playing a game of cat and mouse here. And obviously Red Sick is, uh, has the advantage over Lee because he was kind of nestled in there and knows and is watching him. I'm not sure exactly where Amanda is at this point. I don't think we any of us really know. But he makes his way down onto the stage, Lee does. And uh, he's, he's you know, saying, hey, let Amanda go. She's just a civilian. She's got no, you've got no quarrel with her. He goes, I make my quarrels with whom I want. Amanda finally snaps out of her little whatever she was in and says, oh, I, I know. I saw you at the, at the hospital. And he says, very good, Mrs. King. And he takes her in back behind the stage. And then Lee jumps down from the uh, balcony. And then somehow there's a spotlight, which I, if he's down on the stage, I don't know how that spotlight's coming on. Can you do that from down below? I would think you would. Sure, he's, 
Yeah, okay. So if the light board is back in the back, he can, he can do that. Okay. Okay. I always, yeah. I was always under this understanding the light board was controlled from up top, but that makes it, sense. It could, it could be, either, it could be either. Okay. Typically, the soundboard is up in the back, though, but the light board can be either. So he's on stage now and backstage, and he's kind of walking around, not sure where to look, I guess. And Redsick blinds him with the lights first off, and then says. If you're looking for me, try stage right. And then he turns stage right. And then he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I get so confused. Make that stage left. So then he flips around again. He's just getting discombobulated at this point. And then all of a sudden you hear this creaking sound. And then a big sandbag comes flying down, falls on the ground. And then another one comes from the other side and hits him. And so he's now covered in, I don't even know what it is. Is that flour, sand? Flour. It looks like flour, but... I don't know what are usually in those bags. And Red Six like one armed, unarmed agent and one drugged civilian. He's like, bring the plans. He goes, I brought them to the park. Where were you? He goes, oh, that's too bad. It doesn't matter. I've grown tired of this particular game anyways. I think it's time to I put you both out of your misery. And then he shoves Amanda and she falls into the flower as well. And then when she gets up, though, it's so it's like somebody obviously pancaked it on. It's not like she just got a, like a smudge of it. It's like her whole entire face is covered in the flower. But he's kind of a jerk. The guy's kind of a D-bag. Yeah, he shoves her down. I'm sorry, say that again? The guy's a D-bag? The guy is kind of a jerk. That could possibly yeah. be. But no, but I mean, you know, sometimes. Yes. Yeah. He's 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 being in, intentionally cruel. So he's being really jerky. Yeah, he's that, being a really that, bad guy. Terrorist. Sometimes they're just greedy, but in, you know they're they have he's some. He's just being a jerk to be a jerk. Yes. yes. Okay, I just want to make sure we're clear, <laughs> clarifying that the bad guy was being a bad guy. Right. Okay. There's rankings, you know, there's levels of bad guys, though. Okay. So, yeah. I'm, Worth clarifying. <laughs> there's yeah. rankings, there's levels, and he's just being yeah. a bad guy yeah. just to be a bad guy really at this point. Really bad guy, kind of <laughs> He's just being mean to be mean, though, this is the point, you know? There's one thing if you're being greedy because you want to make a bunch of money, right? But he's just being a jerk just to be a jerk. Yeah. Well, plus, like, he drugs her, and he knows she's going to be like that. And he's like, you irritate me, Mrs. King. It's like, of course, she's drunk. I mean, she's a jerk. Right. She gets up and he's got his back to her at this point because he just dismisses her as not being any serious threat. And she gets up with her blow dryer and you can see a big chunk of flour inside of it. And she says, drop it or I'll splatter you all over the stage. And he's like, uh, grown very tired of her. He's like, you irritate me, Mrs. King. Perhaps you should die first. She goes, dog meat. <laughs> and then blows the flower all in his face. And you can see Kate's got some flower in her eye and it's like irritating her. And she's standing there. Travel hair dryer for the win. <laughs> she's trying to get her hair dryer to go, but it's not doing anything. I think she, you know, she obviously thought it was a gun. <laughs> she, but she's still holding it on Resic like it's a gun. And then Lee looks over after he beats the tar out of uh, red sick he walks over to her and she lifts her, her 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 hair dry up like she doesn't want to put the gun on him it's sweet like lee has a look like you know 
he's he's trying to be gentle with her. <laughs> he's like, it's okay, partner. You won't be needing that anymore. <laughs> and she just nods. Like, and she throws it up to him. She goes, good work, Scarecrow. Bill will be pleased. Let's get this dirt bag downtown. <laughs> and then she just stomps off. He goes, yes, ma'am. That's cute. All right, so then we get the tag in the script at that last scene we just talked about. He looks over to Amanda, still pointing her gun at Luger. Amanda sees Lee looking at it and reacts embarrassed by her stance. She says, I really couldn't have shot him, even in a delirium. And Lee looks at her rather skeptically and and says, you could have fooled me. And they both laugh. That's how they fade out that that last act. So that's how that one goes. And then we're back at the agency and it's later in the evening. And she's all cleared up now. Everybody's, although Lee still has flour all over his suit. <laughs> Amanda's all cleaned up, but he's still got a, quite a few traces of the, of the flour. And the antidote works. So they got that back and they're asking her how she's feeling. She's like, oh, I feel just fine, sir. I just really don't understand. Francine goes, you don't remember anything since that time? You don't remember anything from today? And she goes, I, and starts rubbing her head where she got knocked out. She goes, I don't remember a thing since the time I ate Lee's sandwich. It all kind of is a blur after that. And they all look at her really funny. <laughs> and she goes, oh, you're looking at me awfully strangely. <laughs> I certainly hope I didn't do anything embarrassing. And they're all like, oh, no, everything is fine. Just believe me. She's like, oh, good. it's nice of them not to like tell her all of the things that she did by the look on their faces i would not have let that one go if i were her (laughs) and they're all on their they all get out really quick they're all trying to get out of that conversation way too quickly he's like i've got to tidy up a few things and i'm gonna go do this and and then uh francine hands her her purse and says you left this at lee's apartment she goes when was i at lee's apartment (laughs) And then Lee Lee kind of corners Francine. He's like, hey, you didn't by chance see a baseball when you were cleaning up, did you? It's a souvenir. It's been in the family a long time. And then in the background, you can see Amanda going through a purse. And she obviously has the ball in her hand. She goes, Lee, hardball? He goes, yeah. She goes, Ty Cobb's signature? He goes, yeah. She goes, you've been keeping it in my purse again. <laughs> Throws it up to him. Yeah, I think that's a Ty Cobb. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so as well. He gave it to her in her dream. <laughs> yeah, it's rightfully hers but at this point, right? It was cute, though. Mm-hmm. It was very cute. I always call episodes like these a cheesy good time. Cheesy good time. <laughs> That's a pretty good description, yeah. It definitely had some cringe moments in there for me, which I hate the cringe moments. But <laughs> it was, I, I it kind of gets, they make up for it with the kiss for me. <laughs> I'm a romantic, I know. So all I'm hearing is that except for the except for the cringy moments, the overall the show was pretty Gouda. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> Very cheesy. <laughs> I like it. I, this this is a funny episode to me. I guess maybe I like the silliness. Hmm. Well, everybody needs a little of that, you know. Not so serious all the time. So the script tag is very very different than what we got. So. Francine says, well, I've got a report to file. Oh, here you left this at Lee's apartment. She hands her Amanda, the befuddled Amanda, her purse. At Lee's, Amanda says, what was I doing at your apartment? And Lee says, ah, it's a long story. He starts to lead her back to the bullpen when Amanda, making sure everything is in order inside her purse, comes across an object that stops her cold. Lee, 
she, she asks as he stops. You said I didn't do anything I'd be ashamed of, right? And he goes, well, uh, right. And she said, then would you mind explaining this? And she pulls out a pickle from the Hatman house. Lee looks at her, remembering the incident, then can't help cracking up with laughter. And then they fade out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A pickle? A pickle. Because she was eating. Oh, she was eating off everyone's, she was eating off everyone's plate. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a little weird. I like the baseball one. How would she have have known that it was at the Hatman house? Well, no, she didn't. That was in the script. That was just the the notes from the thing. It said she pulls out the pickle from the Hatman house. Gotcha. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, much better rewrite. I like the baseball better. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Especially because later on, uh, she uses that baseball to save his life. Remember? Anyone? Anyone? What season? Uh What episode? I just know she throws it through a window. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Tale of the Dancing Weasel from season three. Oh, Tale of the Dancing Weasel. Yeah, yeah. Greg knew it. He was just trying to give you guys a fair shot at answering it faster. Yeah, totally. See, I knew it. I could tell. <laughs> I could she see the look on his face. Man. That. Yeah, she does. She's been practicing with her boys. <laughs> they play baseball. They're bombers. Right. Bombers. Go bombers. Go bombers. It's time for Dottie's Bookshelf, where we'll give you recommendations for fan fiction that goes along with the episode, Delirious on Arrival. Uh, the first one is called Out of Delirium by Dottie, with an I-E, and it was written in 2001 with about 3,400 words. This story answers the question, what else might have happened while Amanda was under the influence of the drugs? The second recommendation is Delirious on Arrival by Bridget. Written in 2000 with about 6,300 words, this story tackles the idea, what if Lee had eaten the poison sandwich instead of Amanda? Discover what happens by checking both of these stories out. As always, we'll post the links to our website at mkcpodcast.com in the show notes. You can also find them on fanfiction.net. Ernie the Camera brings you the video vault for Delirious on Arrival. We found two great videos that use clips and themes from only this episode. The first video by Moxie's SNK Vids uses the 1975 song Bad Blood by Neil Sedaka. And there are some very fitting lines in there. Like the first one is, it should have been me, but it was you. Went off and bit a little more than you can chew. I kind of want to say it like the song, but um, but it's, it's, very it's, funny. It. <laughs> it's a very funny song if you know that song Bad Blood and the clips from from the episode are very fitting. So check that one out. And the second video is the song, The Way You Love Me by Faith Hill. And it also has scenes from this episode. And they were put together by Spirit 030577 that emphasizes how well Lee took care of Amanda in this episode. Although he did let her run off and get into all sorts of trouble. And of course, that great Dreamland kiss is also in the video. So. And then as a bonus video, and to celebrate Kate's Golden Globe nomination for her work on SNK for Season 2, we'd like to recommend a clip provided by STX0134 from the March 1985 11th Annual People's Choice Awards, where Kate was presenting the Best Male Performer. These awards occurred right about the time this episode was aired and shows an energetic, happy Kate showing off that short haircut with style. And this is the one I've talked about a couple times. She really looks good in her short haircut. And I love this clip because she's so happy and, and in this 
in these presentations. So it's a fun one to watch. She's actually wearing the same outfit, Jen. That white um, outfit from the Casablanca scene is the outfit she wears in that. Yeah, that could be. I know it was a white one, but um, even though she does have some earrings on with her short haircut, it's very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show was hosted by John Forsythe, who is the voice of Charlie and Charlie's Angels, which is a double bonus. So check out that clip. I, I think you'll like it. These videos can be found on YouTube, and we provide the links on our website at mkcpodcast.com. So, Greg, tell us about uh, where people can find your books and your website and and all that. Yeah, uh, people can visit me on uh, my website at uh, mortondesignworks.com, and uh, there they'll find uh, all sorts of free stuff like uh, writings that I do for the blog itself, and videos are on there, some links to my social media, and then all the books uh, that I have for sale um, can be found on that website, and uh, as well as some other uh, graphic design that I've done, and and uh, t-shirts that I've designed, and, and everything kind of that I, that creatively that I offer for people to check out and buy, they can find through uh, the Morton Design Works website. And you're also on Facebook and Instagram under Morton Design Works. Uh, correct. Yeah, I think Instagram, it's actually Morton Design. Yeah, it is. I checked, I double checked uh, that out Facebook, too. It's uh, facebook.com slash Morton Design Works. And then your lovely wife, let's give her a yeah. plug too, because she puts up yeah. with you. So uh, my wife owns uh, the Bungalow Biz and uh, she buys and sells um, vintage decor and uh, she can be found on Instagram at Bungalow Biz, B-I-Z. So B-U-N-G-A-L-O-W-B-I-Z, all one word, Bungalow Biz. She is on Facebook as well. I think it's um, Bungalow Biz on Facebook also, but... um, Instagram is really where you'll be able to see um, I pictures um, almost daily um, when she's you know discovering new finds and, and things like that. She's posting uh, the same day, so she's fine. She yeah. finds awesome stuff. I bought a couple things from her, and it's really nice quality stuff and really hard to find things. It's really neat. Yeah. And uh, so for people that find her, even if you're not in, in Southern California, if you find something you like, uh, she will ship. So just reach out to her and say hi. I love her tag. It's Vintage Rustic Shabby Rusty Salvage. That's really, yeah. it's nice yeah. in a nutshell there, what, what she does. Yeah. And she has a good eye. She does. And she gets, I, I'll tell you, I've been to a number of markets with her and, um, you know, she'll She'll leave the booth to go talk to somebody or go conduct business or something. And people come in and they go, "Oh my gosh, this booth is amazing!" And it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent her. I don't, I'm just the muscle, which I mean, people, you can tell, right? <laughs> Any, anytime you, anytime you need a, a, you know, a big guy with large arms, uh, you think of me, and uh, so that's all she uses me for too, is to, is to help her move stuff around. But all the buying and selling. Um, the designing of her booth, um, all of that is 100% her. I'm super proud of her, and she doesn't. She does an amazing job. Yeah, it's it. She has really good eye of, of for finding things. It's really some of it. It's too big to ship, and I'm like, oh, I really want that. <laughs> There's some really neat things. Lexi and I are always commenting on certain things that we we both drool over. <laughs> we just need a big vehicle and a road trip. 
Yep, I know. We uh, Sandra and I have talked about doing that. She's supposed to be coming here for the that big giant um, garage sale. Yeah, that twenty. Twenty-five yard sale. I know it comes down by here too. So yeah, we've talked about it. Greg probably doesn't know about it, but surprise. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. She's, <laughs> like I said, she was working yesterday. She's uh, She was playing this morning. Uh, she was hanging out with friends and, and fun time. And then, you know, in the middle of the podcast, she uh, sat here in front of me and showed me a note and said she was going to go talk to a vendor. So She's, now, she's a hustler. She is definitely she a hustler. Has, absolutely. She hustles so, hard. She's sweet. Yeah. She's very sweet. Well... That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us and a very special thanks to our friend and special guest, Greg Morton. It's always a pleasure to have him and um, add his wonderful insights into the show. And be sure to join us next time for season two, episode 20, because, you know, you only die twice. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.